0: you have your Bibles tonight, I want to direct your attention to the book of Haggai. The book of Haggai. There's probably somebody out there saying, I didn't even know that book was in the Bible. You ought to look at the table of contents a little more often. The book of Haggai, chapter number two. We have several visitors here tonight. We're delighted that you're here you're only you're only really officially a visitor once or twice and then after that we we're, we're going to get you or rather god's going to get you and we're going to help him and when he gets you you'll be so glad ecstatic and wonder why you waited so long to let god catch you the book of haggai chapter number 2 for those of you that are unfamiliar with, man, you get, you get into these minor prophets, and it's just a couple little chapters here and there, and it's easy to overlook them. Mine's on page 608 in your Bible. Haggai chapter number two, there's only two chapters, but starting in verse number six, everybody said amen. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth, and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory. Saith the Lord of hosts, the silver is mine, and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. This is what I want to talk about here in verse number nine. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts, and in this place will I give peace saith the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than that of the former. And I want simply talk to us for a few moments tonight. Glory days. Glory days. Let's put our Bibles down. I'm not trying to be super spiritual or dramatic, but I really felt the presence of an angel on this platform tonight, and I want us to pray. Would you lift your voice with us and pray? I really believe that the promises of God are yea and amen. by the authority of the name of Jesus we love you we praise you we worship you we give you great praise and great glory thank you for including us in your plans God from the foundations of the world you purposed you purposed in Jesus name God bless you you may be seated American historians are better at defining what glory days are exact better than they are determining really when they were. The reason for this is because when you talk about glory days you're talking about something that is extremely subjective, which means your personal opinion and experiences are directly involved. But American historians believe that there's so many moments in American history that revealed the greatness of Americanism that it's really hard to isolate and capture any one moment because there are so many great moments in American history, but on a more subjective, private, personal level, I remember as a young boy growing up and just having that that feeling that summer was going to last forever and There's always going to be enough food, and there's always going to be enough friends. There's always a lot of fun. You trust. You're at peace. You feel safe. It's kind of like mom, baseball, and apple pie. It's just a special time in your life that you just, it just, You take a deep breath, and it just feels good to be alive. There's peace. There's a sense of prosperity. You may not experientially be able to grasp all that, but there's just plenty. Friendships are real and fulfilling. When people talked about the president, it was in glowing terms, not in terms of consternation and negativity, but it was a leader that you just felt had our best interest in mind. Glory days. This timely prophecy found here in the book of Haggai is an incredibly important scripture. The nation of Israel is desperately trying to put um, a temple together as a representation of recapturing the glory of Solomon's temple. When you get to the minor prophets, you are basically viewing God's prophetical voice to a nation that is already returning home after being in Babylonian captivity. The exile is outside of coming out of um, Egyptian captivity and several other biblical figures such as Abram and Moses is one of the most important events in the entirety of the word of God. God never, never saw his people as being in captivity again once he brought them out he intended to keep them out and to bless them and to lead them into a land that flowed with milk and honey. But they went into Babylonian captivity, and here they are now, back in their homeland, and they are desperate to recapture something of a glorious memory of of Solomon's temple and. And the incredible pageantry and, and, and the preeminence and the prominence of the nation of Israel before uh, being taken into Babylonian captivity. And here, in their desperate attempt to put together another temple that can somehow represent their desire to recapture this great moment in time before their exile, Haggai is used of God, and he is not trying to be negative on purpose, but he's just telling the truth, as if to say that nothing is ever going to take the place of what you had before you went into Babylonian captivity, but these words are incredible words in verse number nine, the glory of of this latter house shall be greater than the former. He was not talking about their attempt to build another temple and for it somehow to to match the value and the splendor and the incredible representation of Solomon's temple. Those days were gone forever. But the prophet is saying not this temple, but there is coming a day that the glory of the latter house will be greater than the former. Here, this prophecy is so powerful because it is directing God's people to the future. It's directing them to a future time. There is something to live for, you might be licking your wounds because of the wounds of captivity, and although you hung your harps on the willows and you're remembering uh, your captors in Babylon, there is a day coming in the future. It's worth living for. It's worth praying for. It's worth fighting for. Somebody, clap your hands and give God the praise. And so, God brought this to me about three weeks ago. Not only does it apply to Cornerstone, but it applies to something bigger. I really believe that tonight. And as I began to meditate, and theologically in my mind, in my heart, began to meditate on this, and to come up with something that that would be spiritually valid for us. I was greatly challenged to try to put my finger on a time in the nation of Israel where they experienced glory days. As I've already mentioned, glory days is almost an idiom in our culture today. Um, if you would look in the urban dictionary, it would it would say something like the good old days or days of old, in which we all remembered that that America was a great place to live and and everybody could be whatever you wanted to do. There wasn't none of the nonsense that there is in the day and hour that we are subjected to in the 21st century. But I was challenged to try. To find a definitive time, maybe maybe even people that would represent the glory days of Israel, um, it had to be in a particular in a particular criteria in the Word of God. It could not be uh, on the other side of the exile because the prophecy declares that the glory will be in the future, and so it could not be during the exile or after the exile. It could not be in Egyptian bondage and everything that led up to that. And so I had to formulate in my mind what could be the criteria that would qualify the glory days. And listen to what I came up with here today. It had to be a time in which there was an incredible sense of godly patriotism. And what that simply means is that we understand that we are a royal priesthood. We are a holy people, a holy nation, and we are excited about our identity. We are not cowed down. We are not intimidated by the entertainment and political forces of this world. I know who we are, and it is glorious to be in the church of the living God. Somebody clap your hands and give God the praise right now. There had to be a time when there was a leader, a real God-given leader. There had to be a time in which the enemy was challenged. And I came up with two figures that were on one side, had already come out of Egypt. And on the other side, not yet gone into Babylonian exile. And I could only come up with two figures. We've got a lot of Bible students here tonight. You might come up with another one. And I'm totally open to greater revelation. But I could only come up with two. The first one that I came up with was Joshua. The nation of Israel had been Bedouins for five decades. And now under Joshua, they are moving forward, following a God-called leader, and God giving them victory after victory. In fact, they had 13 different battles. They won every single one of them except one. The only battle they did not win is because Achan held some things in his tent that were in violation to the will of God. It began at Jericho and lasted all the way to a place called Hazor. And Joshua... Ruled for 28 years. He had seven years of conquest and he had seven years of settlement. He was a, a definitive leader. The nation of Israel followed him and went into battle. With him, in the book of Joshua, chapter number 21, verse number 43, this is what it says. And the Lord gave unto Israel all the land which he swore to give unto their fathers, and they possessed it and dwelt therein. Everybody said glory days. Look at the very next Verse. And the Lord gave them rest round about according to all that he swore unto their fathers. And there stood not a man of all their enemies before them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. Somebody said glory days. Look at verse 45. There failed not aught of any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel. All came to pass. Oh, clap your hands and give God the praise. I didn't want to have to give you the punchline, but I'm telling Cornerstone, our best days are ahead of us. You just continue to follow the leader. You just continue to go into battle. You don't go into the world and take a Babylonian garment and a sheave and a wedge of gold and silver. Everybody said, glory days. I know what glory days are like. Our church has had glory days. Cornerstone has had glory days. But you can't live in glory days. You can't live on a mountaintop. You have to have some valleys. You have to have some wilderness. You have to have some barrenness. So that you can appreciate the mountaintops. So that you can appreciate the cleft in the rock. So that you can appreciate when God visits you. So you can appreciate the blessing of the Lord. But you don't get those unless you're willing to get into the valley. You're willing to get into the wilderness. You're willing to come out of Egypt. Oh, somebody help me tonight. There might be people under the sound of my voice that have never experienced glory days. There might be people under the sound of my voice that have never experienced what it's like to supernaturally be in that special place. I remember oh so well, as a new convert. In some ways, those were still the greatest days of my life. I was thirty years of age. I saw the truth in the Bible. I repented of my sins, was baptized in Jesus' name, and filled with the Holy Ghost, just like you. Just like you. Just like you. Just like you. And way over yonder, just like you. Let's shout and give the Lord some praise. Just like you. I'm telling you, after I, after I experienced the new birth, There was no devil around. If there was, I didn't sense it. There was no problems in the church, and I wasn't looking. My wife told me later she said, honey there was all kinds of stuff going on in that church but you know what I was in my glory days I, I didn't I didn't know that there were that there were situations I didn't know that there were problems I was intoxicated with the glory and the grace of God I'm so thankful for my upbringing that my pastor and my pastor's wife provided me with a church where I could fall in love with truth and not only fall in love with truth but I could find the will of God for the rest of my life in that church. There wasn't any negativity. There was no bitterness. There was no cup of poison. There was no dagger in my back. It was glory days. I ran the aisles. I shouted. I lift my hands. I danced. I ran. I loved. I witnessed. I won souls. Somebody shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. I'm thanking God for my glory days. But there's some people that have never experienced glory days. And so you don't have a reference. There's a lot of people, there's even some people here tonight, you don't know what liberty looks like. You don't know what true spiritual freedom looks like. This is why a lot of people backslide. They don't know what what spiritual freedom looks like. It's not a suit. It's not a tie. It's not fancy shoes. I'm going to tell you what freedom is. Freedom is going into a battle or a habit that you've struggled with all your life and God brings you out of it and that habit is now under your feet. That's what liberty looks like. It's not I got to do this and I got to do that and I got to be here and I got to be there. No, 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 no. It's following the leader into warfare and God bringing you out with the spoils. (laughs) Clap your hands and give God the praise. Everybody in this building, clap your hands and give God the praise. My prayer is you'll get a taste of the glory days. It's not all negative. I believe there has to be a criteria to really experience glory days. And it is the will of God that you not only experience glory days as an individual, but we experience glory days as a church. Let me just give you a little bit about what I'm talking about. And I don't have anybody else to talk about, so I'm going to talk about Cornerstone, but I'll make it quick. And we're not bragging. We're just giving you the facts. We outgrew our first building in less than a year. We moved from our second building into our very first church. When we moved into our very first church on Broadway, we moved in there with 65 people. When we moved out of there, we we had over 250 people. And we paid that building off in record time. That might not make much sense to you. But brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, that is glory days. That is divine favor. My God, I'm trying to wake some people up. You're in the midst of the greatest thing this world has ever seen. You can't be looking at everything saying, it's bad, it's horrible. i got to do this, i got to do that. You're going to miss the glory part of this. When we're walking in the Spirit and you're waking up in the Holy Ghost and you're going to bed in the Holy Ghost and God answers your prayers and there's joy and peace and righteousness in the Holy Ghost. Clap your hands and give him praise. The reason why you've never experienced this is because you don't know what freedom looks like. The good news is you can. Glory days. I believe there's a criteria. And I I believe that both of these figures, that I found in the word of God exemplified this. First of all, there must be a God called leader. One that is actually put there by God. Number two, there has to be an allegiance and a spirit of unity behind the leader. There has to be number three, a sense of national, national pride. That's what the nation of Israel had or they has to be a sincere. Value and appreciation of your God-given identity. Number four, there has to be a belief and pursuit of the prophecies and promises of God. Number five, there has to be a vanquishing and an elimination of your enemies. If somebody is looking at you and saying, you ain't never gonna amount to a hill of beans, you got this in your life, that's in your life, that's in your life, get behind the leader and let's go to war and let God give you your own glory days. Come on, somebody clap your hands. I refuse to backslide. I refuse to throw in the towel. I refuse to give up. I don't care what your failures are. You cannot abandon heaven for the temporary. And there must be. There always is an expansion of God. Given boundaries and territory. Those six factors bring us to being able to characterize that chapter, that page, that decade, that building. That level of revival, that place in your life as being glory days. Let's lift our hands and give God the praise. God, I pray that every single person here will draw nigh unto you and really discover genuinely how available you truly are to every single human being in this world. My second hero was King David. His glory days began with the felling of a giant. I realized that it was many days before the crown was firmly placed and positioned on his head. But make no mistake about it. In fact, let's go to that scripture in 1 Samuel 18. This is what was noised, And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. That was reverberating and echoing into the supernatural. It was something that was already resonating among the political forces that were in power in that day. But it was also resonating in the supernatural world that we have somebody that's not afraid to face giants. He's not afraid... (laughs) I feel this all over me here tonight. I know it's a Tuesday night, but I came here tonight. I don't care if it's Bible study. I don't care if we're just all tired. You can just sit there if you want. I'm preaching this to the spirit world tonight, and I'm letting you know we're not afraid to go after giants. Well, Brother Mayo, Cornerstone, I'd just stay small and enjoy your storefront and enjoy your little building. I'm going after everything that God put in me. Clap your hands and give God the praise. The thing about a leader like David is there were people that did not know what freedom looked like. They did not know what liberty tasted like. But when they saw a leader that was not afraid to go after the giant, that restricted geographical progress into the southern kingdom of Judah, a lot of people don't even understand that what Goliath represented was not just dominion. And he did represent that because he said, if you beat us, we will serve you. But if we beat you, you're going to serve us. And that's exactly what the devil says. But what a lot of people don't recognize is geographically Goliath was, was keeping Judah, which is praise. Everybody said praise. Everybody said Judah. Judah could not expand until Goliath was moved out of the way. And so, David, you know the story. David not only knocked him down, but he took his head off. It's not good enough for us to move across the street and be in another building. we got to have revival in this place. we got to have our own glory days here. we got to have the supernatural move here. We, just like God filled everything else, God's going to fill this. Lift your voice with me and give him praise. Lift your voice with me and give him praise. God helps somebody get the taste of battle and experience liberty. David was able to captivate the imagination of an entire nation, and he brought the nation of Israel to a level of domination. He knew how to pastor men and to bring men from the re-rewards of under the governance of Saul that were hiding behind stumps and rocks and able to bring these same men to where they would go anywhere with him because David was a giant killer. He wasn't a company man. He was God's man. He wasn't a company man. He was God's man. David defeated the round roundabout. They expanded their territories. And what is the most staggering thing of all about David, and I know there's so many dynamics of his life, but he brought, the glory days to the common Jew. Just being part of God's people. You could stick your chest out. You could feel good about who you were and that God was with you. You weren't about to be vanquished and attacked by the enemies. But there was a national pride and a sense of purpose that was brought through the ministry and the leadership of David. But staggering to me is the fact that in 2 Chronicles chapter number 9, that David, because of his revelation and understanding of expanding the boundaries and the territories fulfilled the prophecy that God gave to Abraham in Genesis chapter number 15. Please go to that scripture in 2 Chronicles 9. Look at this. And he reigned over all the kings from the Euphrates. Everybody said the Euphrates. That was one of the boundaries that God gave to Abraham. That he reigned over all the kings from the Euphrates, even to the land of the Philistines, to the border of Egypt. Remember what God said that you will possess this land all the way from the Nile River all the way to the Euphrates and it was a God-called leader how big you think this church can get well We're already planning on having blueprints drafted on our next building. Pastor, aren't you ever satisfied we're tired of building programs? If they're going to hell, we need a bigger building. Get over it. You're following a giant killer. I'm not a company man, I'm God's man. And when you follow the leader, there is a national patriotism and an allegiance not to Saul's household that was at war with the house of David. But they sensed there's something different about this one. He's not afraid of a giant. Whether hiding behind titles and rocks and stumps and position, there's a boy with a sling that's walking out there with a prophecy. And if we'll follow him, he'll push the boundaries. The enemy will fear us, and he will fulfill the promise given to the man, Abraham. My God. I came here to preach this tonight. Uh, Let me just preach it to the invisible. Let me just preach to those seats that a one day will be full. Let me just preach it to the empty seat you're next to. Let me. Somebody shout and give God the praise. Praise. I'm not going to backslide and lose this. I'm not going to backslide and miss out on this. I'm not going to mess up with my flesh and throw away the spirit. The centrifugal force of the glory days under David gained such a momentum that it even flowed under the reign of Solomon so that God had not only vanquished the Amorites, the Amalekites, the Hittites and the Philistines but God gave them peace. It was a time of the glory days in which the nation of Israel had no known enemies but themselves. There was a great heritage. Families could be large. God was blessing the crops. God was blessing the husbandry. It was a land that truly flowed because it was glory days. I have come to this place to preach that the glory days are coming again. I said the glory days are coming again. The glory of the future. Will be greater than the glory of the past. Let's lift our hands and just love the Lord. I'm almost done here tonight. Glory days where you can't wait to get to the prayer room. Glory days where you wake up in the middle of the night and look for a place to pray. Glory days. Where God is answering your prayers and it's no longer you wondering and doubting and full of skepticism and fear, but rather you have the blessed assurance that God is with me. The glory days coming again. Please bear with me in my folly, but I believe you have a God called leader, not a perfect leader, not one that's free from making mistakes, but I believe you have a God called leader. Secondly, I believe there's a spirit of unity in Cornerstone. We would never be sitting here tonight. If there was not a congregation, I'm I'm just going to tell you, let me brag on you. This congregation has given and given and given and given and in the face of a pandemic God said, if this church is ready to go I'm ready to go with you. And where other churches could not get a bank loan there there were banks. We tried to get bank loans with 25 other banks. We found one bank here in Spokane and they gave us a good deal and they're still with us to this day. What am I trying to say, Pastor? I'm trying to say this, that God is doing the work he's just looking for somebody who said I'm not backing up I'm not bowing I'm not going to serve Goliath you are going down and not only are you going down your head is coming off the the center of strategy that big mouth of yours is going to get shut once and for all somebody clap your hands Stand, sit, do whatever, but lift your voice and give God the praise. The glory of the latter house will be greater than how we started. It's time to pray for backsliders. I've never felt like I feel it tonight that God's going to do a work among backsliders. My Lord, There is a sense of God-given identity in Cornerstone. I'm not saying we're perfect. I'm not saying we don't have room for, for modifications and improvement. But as the pastor, I'm here to take your vital signs. There is a spirit of unity and allegiance here. Because, I know that because we would have never got where we are after five buildings. The national average is in the history of one church, they will only have one building move. The average church in America will only have one building move. The average apostolic congregation in, in Washington is 40 people. I'm not putting anybody down. But don't put those statistics in my face. Don't put those demographics in my face. They ain't going to fit. God didn't put me here to be small. God didn't bring you here to not be a success. God did not bring you here to not have revival. God did not bring you here to not answer your prayers. God did not put you here for you to be a nothing. God did not bring you here to be a loser. God did not bring you here to be average. God did not bring you here. Clap your hands and give God the praise, the glory of the latter house. She'll be greater than the former. There is a belief in the pursuit of the prophecies and the promises of God in this congregation. You're saying there might be somebody here tonight saying, Pastor. I've never had a promise from God. I promise you that if you will do what you know to do, and you will earnestly seek him, that God will talk to you. And once you finally recognize it's God, you will never be the same. See, in America, American, or rather Western culture, when somebody retires, it becomes an incredible challenge to have the right successor. At this time right now, this congregation is in arguably the fastest-growing area of Spokane County and the most desirable, according to Spokane Business Journal. We have approximately $12 million worth of real estate as a congregation. It's not mine. It's Cornerstone's. but it becomes an incredible crisis to choose the right successor because it would be real easy for somebody that can preach good to come in and the glory days are over. Oh, I'm preaching. I'm ministering here tonight. You can, I'm preaching to the spirit world tonight. I love you. I'm glad you're here. I wish everybody was here to hear this, but the roads are bad. But there's far too many Davids that handed it off. to maybe an Adonijah instead of a Solomon that just had no dreams. They could preach, but they couldn't lead. David could do both. Just because somebody can preach good does not mean they can lead. That has become the bane of our movement is to think that as long as we're well-fed... It's the same thing as glory days. See, glory days have to have that criteria. I did my best. I didn't just come here with some hasty little book report. I came up with a criteria of studying profiles and supernatural courage that have to be in place to have glory days, not just existence, but glory because it's the will of God that we go from faith to faith and victory to victory and glory to glory. Lift your hands and give him praise. Glory to glory. Go higher, greater deeper. So, this is my story and this is my song that I will give 1,000% to get us the glory of the latter house. Let's lift our hands one more time. Let's just love Jesus. God, I'm glad I'm a part of this. I'm glad I'm not in another place wondering, where can I be where I can have revival? Where can I be in America that is pursuing with the passion, with the absolute abandonment to go higher and farther and wider and where 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 let's stand i don't i don't even know how i i don't even know how i saw this video We have a YouTube video. It's not one of these little re- real things that, that they do on Facebook and they get tens of thousands. This was old school. This was over on Broadway. Listen to me carefully. I don't even know how I got this. It just, it just, it just, it just was there. You know, sometimes you have to be careful because sometimes these things will do random searches and sometimes there's stuff there that's inappropriate. So you got to be careful of all that. But there was a video there of Cornerstone. It had 23,000 views. And the title was Cornerstone Pentecostal Worship, something like that. And I thought, you know, I pastor this church. I should probably see what's out there. (laughs) I don't even look at all the stuff that's out there, but I looked at this. Brother Ryan Knutson, are you here tonight? Are there any Knutson's here tonight? Okay, they'll take the heat for their parents. Actually, it's all good. Your dad was leading. I looked at our our choir was up there. Sister Mayo was leading the choir. There was... um, Maybe, maybe there was nine or ten people that were in that choir. Brother Mike, I can't remember if I saw you up in that choir or not, but I saw um, Brother Jake Reed was on the drums. Um... It just, it, it, it was bombastic. It was just like, it was just like, and, and I was reading the comments, and it was like, this is what real church looks like. So I'm saying, yeah. And, and I just, and then there were people saying, you know, what kind of Kool-Aid did they drink? And I just thought, whatever. You know, that's the way people are. See, they don't know what liberty looks like. To them, liberty is I'm sitting on some Caribbean island with a bunch of cash uh, whether I got it illegal or not, doesn't matter, it, but I'm there, and my toes are in the sand, and that's liberty, and I don't have any worries. Yeah, you got a lot of worries, because you don't know where your soul is going, and you don't know who you're serving, and 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 and, and you could die any minute. You could get a diagnosis for stage four cancer every minute of your life, but I'm going to tell you what real liberty is. Real liberty is saying, I'm worshiping because he's worthy. You can watch. You can think whatever you want. I'm not doing this for you, but there's a God in the house. There's the God of glory. The glory is in this house. The glory is in this house. Somebody clap your hand. Somebody give him praise. Somebody shout. The glory of the latter house will be greater than the former. Hallelujah. And there is a sad note <sighs> because as I looked at the choir I saw faces that are no longer here. And I just thought, my God, even in the midst of such glorious praise and worship and demonstration, Satan does not want you to experience God's glory. But it's gonna happen. I'm here to tell you, as I watched that video, I thought, you know what, we experienced the same glory even greater across the street. I've got a little deal on my phone uh, where I, my granddaughter, uh, Nori, where's Nora today, tonight? Where you at, honey? You here? Okay, I've got a little video. How many of you remember the night of the tambourine? Now, I'll never forget that because before it was over, it was on my head. <clears throat> Trust me, I'm normal, but when the glory gets to moving, when the glory gets to moving, I forget. I lose all awareness of, of, of any criticism or projection or any of that. Any of that. I just get lost in it. But there was a night where there were people that got a hold of a tambourine, and the glory it got more more powerful and deeper and more glorious and more wonderful. To where the kids, the children in this church, were grabbing this tambourine, and my granddaughter got a hold of this tambourine, and I'm telling you, I wouldn't I wouldn't give a million dollars for that because she could feel something. You could. Tell Hell, she was in it. She was speaking in tongues. She was worshiping God. She, she was getting lost in it because once you feel the glory, you'll never be the same again. Devil, you can lie. Devil, you can put sickness on me. Devil, you can try to put depression on me. But the glory. Clap your hands and give God the praise. The glory. The glory, the glory, the glory, the glory, the glory, the glory, the glory. where well, you stayed up, there's so much God that moves in a service that everybody stays up late into the night and just talks about it. That God starts pulling people in off bar stools and, and out of sin and out of the most uh, the, the deepest debauchery that you can think about. I've come to this place to tell you that the glory of the latter house is going to be greater than anything we've ever experienced before right where you're standing let's just let's just talk to Jesus All these seeds that some of you've been planting, they're going to sprout. They're going to sprout during the glory days. And when the queen of Sheba comes in, there's not going to be any spirit left in her. People will come from round about because of the glory, not just a good choir, not just praise, the glory, the glory. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's praise him. God, I love you. I praise you. I worship you. I pray, God, that you'll open up the windows of heaven and take away the depression, the dejection, the lies that the devil has built a prison through people's own failures. They've used the debris of their failures to construct a prison. I bust them out of that by the authority of the name of Jesus. Give everybody a good night's sleep. Glory days. God bless you. Shake hands. Be friendly. Love one another. God bless you in Jesus' name.